welcome to the digital adoption show by Watfix. We are the folks who practice and preach digital adoption and Watfix is one of the leaders in the space paving the way with hundreds of Fortune 500 customers worldwide. Through this podcast we bring to you industry leaders and influencers who define how learning, training, adoption, change and digital transformation should work in today's world. Tune into our discussions on how organizations tackle the different pain points, challenges, and find the resounding solutions to the most interesting problem statements in the world of digital adoption. Now, here's our next episode. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. Welcome to our podcast. Uh, This podcast is entitled, How to Create an Outstanding Learning Strategy to Prepare Organizations for the Future of Work. And there's two of us on this podcast. I'm going to first ask our esteemed guest, Lou Tedrick, to introduce herself. Lou, over to you. Hi, Fisby. Thank you. And and, um, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm Lou Tedrick. I am the leader of global learning and development for Verizon. And we're a global company of um, over 129,000 employees across the world, um, providing great telecommunications services and technologies to our customers. Great. Thank you so much, Lou. And I am Vispi Dover, and I'm based in the San Francisco Bay Area. I'm with uh, Watfix, and I lead our sales and partnerships. And Watfix provides a digital adoption platform that sits on top of technology applications, reducing the complexities of technology for all end users and maximizing business outcomes in doing so. But let's get to the core of the podcast and let's get to our first set of questions. So, Lou, the first one I have for you is, you know, you've been virtually managing a thousand plus loading professionals. Um, That's just an amazing number. Uh, Most of the companies don't have that many in learning itself. So I just wanted to ask you firstly, at that scale, what are some of the things you'd like to share with our listeners from your personal experience Um, with regards to managing such a large scale of people purely focused on learning? Yeah, so I feel really fortunate to have that uh, size of a learning organization. And at Verizon, we're somewhat unique in that all the field training um, is centralized within our organization. So not only do we have the the learning groups that support general skills, leadership development, our, our learning infrastructure and operations, we also have all the groups that support the business units with their functional training. Um, And often that sits inside of a business unit versus inside of the learning organization. And one of the ways that we've been really successful in making that work for us is that we have business learning partners or learning business partners, if you would would like to call them that, um, who are aligned with the business leader. They are part of the business leader's leadership team, Um, in a matrix way, so that they are really embedded in the business, they understand the business and its dynamics, and then they ensure that the learning that we provide is directly tied to their needs, their objectives, uh, driving performance, helping them with their challenges and obstacles. And that's how we've been able to be very successful. And in many instances, our staff comes from Um, the business itself. So we have a number of our delivery team members who may have held the roles 
in the in the organization, uh, and then we skill them to become um, professional trainers. We've also had individuals who may be using tuition assistance to get degrees in instructional design um, or areas of learning and development, and they may do stretch assignments with us and then eventually come in and work for us. So I think our organization being uh, tightly tied to the business is one of the reasons that we're very successful. Yeah, that's a great um, study and a great um, uh, sort of benchmark to go after, Lou. Uh, I found that generally quite hard. If uh, It's been generally hard to prove sometimes to some business leaders that here's the value in it, here's what we provide, here, here's how we tie into your KPIs and metrics. Do you have any uh, sort of best practices on how you could turn around a business leader who is opposed to including learning for their team? Yes, yeah, so we, we have a lot of um, data that we collect, have a lot of dashboards and scorecards where we're able to show the impact that learning has on performance. So um, for most of our new hire experiences, we will track our new hire's performance 30, 60, 90, 100 20 days past the time they come out of their functional new hire training. And we can show the business how they're ramping up to productivity on all of their key performance indicators. So it's often something when I talk to a new leader or a leader that's contemplating, do I want support from L&D, that that's one way that I can share with them. Here's the kind of impact that we can have on your business. We also um, likewise do, do similar things as we work with a business on specific business problems. We will identify the measures of success up front. And then part of our process will be to evaluate how did we do on driving toward those measures of success. Um, and we'll create case studies on the, the learning solutions that we've, that we've used, what was the actual impact on performance or those success measures? Uh, where did we meet them? Where did we miss them? Where did we perhaps exceed them? And what do we learn from all of that? So we really try to be consultative to the business and that, you know, as soon as they can see that we are completely invested in them and their employees performing to expectations, it's, it's really, you know, much easier um, to show them that we can help drive, drive performance, drive employee engagement, drive down turnover, whatever it may be that they're trying to solve with a learning solution. Yeah, we, you know, we have the same thing internally at Wattfix, Lou, where we have a sales enablement and training team. And um, one of the initiatives they went after was looking at different sellers and the uh, win-loss rates for different sellers, mm -hmm. and then added some uh, specific learning to increase um, the uh, win rates for everyone and showed how it increased. And it worked fairly well, especially since we took the win rates from their team as well and exemplified that and, and said, you know, this is a best practice and this is to go after. Do you have a similar example of a particular business unit that you work with? We, we do that all the time. We'll look at that ideal performer model. So when you come to us with a business challenge, we'll say, is there someone who's doing it really well today or groups of people who are doing it really well today? Let's capture what it is that they're doing. Um, and then help scale that across the rest of the organization. So that's a common method that we've used in our sales channels, but also, you know, in really any channel that we work in, whether it's customer service, um, in our, you know, technology groups, um, there's always generally someone that you have your eye on who's doing it exceptionally well. And if you can bottle up that, that secret sauce um, and figure out a way to take that across your whole organization, that's what we're there to do to assist them with. 
And then in, in the ideal performer model, do you have the ideal performer model part of the instruction in the training or do you incorporate what they have done and, and then propagate that? Generally, we would incorporate it into the objectives or the behaviors that we're trying to, the skills, the behaviors, the processes that we're trying to use. But there have been times that we will use those team members, if they're willing, um, to be part of the instruction themselves. Or, um, you know, we may have uh, a video component where we have people doing the job, sharing their best practices, and it really comes from when it comes from one of your peers it has that much more credibility so there are many times that we use folks from the business to help us with getting that information out to others and there are some platforms that we use where we will enable um, folks who have best practices to share their best practices via video with their with their leader with their peers Again, like you could sell, share your sales pitch, you could share your positioning, um, and uh, you know people really enjoy that opportunity. And then I'm curious, Lou, in the last piece where you try and share consumable bite-sized information, is do you use any particular? Do you use uh, any enablement platform? Or is it your LMS or is it a variety of tools? A variety of tools we have. Um, we use our our we are customers of Degreed, so we may use. Pathways where we'll have videos stored. We have an internal, um, an internal mechanism similar to YouTube, where we will post videos and use them for instruction, and may wrap them into instruction. And then we also um, are customers of Alego and uh, use that capability through Alego. So depending on the initiative, we'll determine on which of our platforms would we use to bring those videos into the instruction. Great. Thank you so much for that uh, introduction. If we shift a little bit to the, the topic at hand, which is around you know, what's been happening over the last uh, year plus and what that means for learning. So if you look at the current situation, what are some of the common digital transformation or learning initiatives that companies should focus on to upskill or reskill their employees? Yeah, I think that uh, companies really need to understand that have a good understanding of the future that they're living into and uh, and what will the skills be required. So, you know, we have a strategic workforce planning process. Um, we also have, have very specific roles as part of a broader job taxonomy. So we have a pretty good idea of critical skills for the future and then the various roles that we have in our business, what will be the skills needed for today and for tomorrow. So we're always looking at that as a way to inform what types of uh, content providers do we need to have as part of our overarching offerings to our employees? What are the programs, the programs that we need to be creating internally? And, um, and, and what is the, the timing of all these things so that we know if it's a situation that we can really build the capability or if we may have to partner with talent acquisition on acquisition of talent with some subset of those skills and then we pick them up, you know, from there. So I think, I think having line of sight into what are the critical skills that you're going to need is really important. And then having the agility um, if things move more quickly or things pivot, I think as we saw with COVID, uh, we had to we had to do a lot to just completely pivot and and reskill people to use to do roles that maybe 
none of us had thought that they would be doing. So I think you have to have the agility in your instructional design, your platforms, your content uh, to be able to pivot as needed. I do think as we look ahead, there are a number of technical skills that are needed. You know, if I think about the the technology that's going to be required for the future, not only for our employees, but to for, for our business, uh, we need to have highly technical folks. So we are continuing to look at how do we keep our technical um, staff really on the cutting edge and forefront of technology skills. So again, they're able to perform what they need to do today, but then what they will need to be able to do very shortly in the future. We're also keeping our eyes on what are the emerging technologies and, uh, and you know, are, are those technologies that we need to start thinking about for our technical employees. I think collaboration skills too, um, in, the, in the world that we're moving into uh, with hybrid work, you know, now more than ever, skilling people to be uh, fluent in all the types of technology, te- the collaboration tools that are enabled by technology just to do our everyday work is a critical area of skilling that that all of companies will have to do. And then lastly, we're seeing that soft skills seem to have a resurgence in uh, this world of the the remote and hybrid workforce um, so that we stay very connected and human um, with our employees. So we're starting to see people asking us for more work in the areas of leadership, um, empathy, and, you know, just, just general how, how to treat people in, a, in an engaging way um, so that they feel excited and, and energized about coming to work. Yeah, really helpful. It's also really interesting, you know, the future of work, there are some parameters of it that are going to be universal for all companies, more technology, more uh, collaboration, more remote, et cetera. And then there are some that are unique, you know, depending on what the industry or the company's future of work looks like. For us, it's very distributed. We're all over the world working at, at, at varied times. So we've adopted a lot of tools and uh, the ability to be able to be successful and navigate through those tools is key. If there were any particular unique nuances to Verizon's future of work that uh, that would be eye-opening for the audience, what would some of those be? Yeah, I mentioned the, the collaboration tools. That's just for, for us because we're so distributed and, and determining how to, you know, how to lead in a distributed way, how to participate in a distributed way so that you're always included. All voices are at the table and, and everyone's heard. So that's that's one set of skills. I think that also when I when I think about some of the situations that our customers are now in, the, the um, amount of empathy that is necessary to put ourselves in the shoes of our customers. So this was an area of that we began prior to COVID with our employees who support customers through call centers, um, operation centers, and then also our retail stores. Just really helping them understand, you know, what does a customer come to you? All the, all the different things going on in their lives, you know, are critical for you to understand and that, brief time that you're with the customer. And so we're real focused on, on um, the, the time that we're with them, but we're not necessarily always thinking about what, what could they be bringing with them? Why is this important to them? We're one stop in their life. And how can we be much more empathetic 
to our customers so that we can continue to really deliver to them the solutions that they need. So that's an area, again, that would be one of those soft skill areas that I think is really important to us to make sure that we are always thinking with empathy as we try to solve the problems for our customers. Thank you for that. Uh, one of the other things were looking at technologies and where they come from, right? So there's one um, type of technology which we'd call consumer-graded technologies. And those are coming into the enterprise. So firstly, if you could define what are consumer-graded technologies and then how can enterprises and companies leverage them for creating a better learning experience for employees? So when I think of consumer-grade technologies, I think of those technologies that we use in our lives outside of work and that we expect to be able to operate the same way inside of our work. Um, so if I, if I think of you know, search engines like Google that we use every day in our lives, we would expect anytime I go into an application at work and you search that I'm gonna get the same kind of results as, as quickly and, and uh, accurately. Um, as if I were using Google. And we know that's not always the case inside of an enterprise um, because of the, the algorithms required to create such incredible search um, are not often part of the enterprise applications. So, so when I think consumer grade for learning, um, I think there are a lot of great uh, instructor-led, there are a lot of great platforms like the platform we're on today. Um, my, our company has a, a platform called Blue Jeans that we think is something that is very consumer ready to bring virtual instructional instructor-led learning to a variety of consumers, whether they're corporations, businesses, school systems. So I think those are those are platforms where we can do much better in creating, you know, a, a really engaging learning environment, um, even through remote. I think this last year, we all just did whatever we could, but now these platforms are really being designed in such a way that uh, we can create really engaging learning experiences um, that, that could be as near as face-to-face -face as possible. I think another, another uh, consumer-grade opportunity is in the area of, of AR. Um, and I, I love the concept of AR where in you know, any place that you're working, you can have that information present that you need. So whether it be through QR codes, through information, you know, if you're a technician, information coming into your field of vision, through your, your safety glasses, I just think there's great opportunity to have information brought to employees at the moment of need. And AR would be a technology um, that that we believe, you know, is on the forefront, not ready yet. Uh, it's it's hard from a hardware perspective to scale at this point because of the cost. But I do think that's a future um, opportunity for commercial commercial grade technologies or consumer grade technologies. And then when I think of platforms like What If and others, where we have great guided performance support, digital performance support at the moment of need. Um, that too, it's, it's so hard for our employees to keep everything in their minds. What they really need is that simple digital information at my fingertips while I'm supporting a customer, while I'm doing my work in the flow of my work. Um, and then that, that information is brought to me. So I think that too 
it's when we can get consumer-like with that, where it's effortless, frictionless, completely embedded in our work. Um, that's just a huge opportunity for technology on the learning front, um, where we could eliminate so much training when you think about it, if we could just have the information you need right at your fingertips when you need it. Yeah, it's a really good um, good point you made. You know, there are some consumer-grade technologies like, um, you know, consuming video in bite-sized information, et cetera. Those are all consumer-grade, easy to do for the enterprise, no complexity. But then there are many enterprise-grade technologies that uh, are complex, and the user interfaces are complex to navigate through. And that's why what Lou said is employee performance support, which is a, another a word for digital adoption uh, platforms, which is what mm -hmm. Watfix does, is looking at all those, you know, on average, Gartner says 14 different technologies that any employee needs to master to do their job, whether they're in sales or finance or learning or, part, or um, uh, any other function. And the ability to navigate through those successfully, those aren't consumer-grade UIs. Those are complex. And those are configured for your end customer. So that's what we do at Watfix. We have that digital adoption layer that makes it easy to navigate through it. So that was um, uh, Lou's last point over there as well. So Lou, I have one more related to collaboration and messaging. So you know, we have a lot of tools, as we mentioned, and one of the challenges is there's a lot coming at you on a daily basis. There's a lot of messaging, there's a lot of emails, et cetera. Have you encountered that problem at Verizon and, um, and where people are overwhelmed by the amount of tools and the notifications and the messaging from these on a daily basis? We have, and we've had this experience since as long as I can remember being at Verizon. Um, and we've attempted to address it in, in a variety of ways over the years. So we've done things, you know, like having sites where all the information, microsites where all the information you need is collected and aggregated um, so that you're not getting information, you know, coming at you every single day. Um, we, you know, today we, we use Slack as a way to reduce the volume in your emails. So I don't know that we've necessarily cracked the nut, but I do believe that the technologies that are becoming available to companies are really helping us rethink how to manage um, the, the volume of information with our employees. But we, we've seen, you know, what seems to work best, at least in our environment, is to have places where all the information is aggregated and I know to go there. So it's more of a pool opportunity for me. Um, and, I, and I trust that as a source of information for me. And then, um, and then if we have to push information out to you, again, it's still bringing you back to that one source of truth, that one place where I know all the information is available to me. Um, and then, like I said, we've, I, I really enjoy using Slack today. It's, it's really cut down on a lot of uh, the email volume that I used to see. Um, and, and we've been able to be creative in how we set up communities. So again, I'm, I'm excited about the technologies that are coming in to address the problems that, that we've seen and had for, for many, many years. Yeah, it's really interesting what you were saying, that it's been the case for many years. Here's what I envision happened, Lou, which is 
just like we are today, which is I've got email and I've got Slack and, you know, it's raining messages everywhere. What do I focus on? I bet when email first came out, people said, hey, I've got a paper inbox that's got all these memos in it. And now I've got this electronic mail coming in through the Internet. How do I deal with it? And I've got, you know, uh, other facsimiles and things like that. So I can see it. It's just human behavior adjusting. But I do believe uh, that that it requires a learning best practice or a learning consulting on how best to use these tools uh, so that it is not disruptive and you're still being productive during the day. So it's a great uh, great case study and, and uh, uh, more to be revealed there. I'll, I'll shift a little bit to some studies, uh, Lou, that, that are sort of um, uh, antithetical to where things should be going. So there's a Deloitte study that says only 22% of executives believe that their companies are outstanding at creating a differentiated employee experience. Why do you think there is such a discrepancy and how can companies overcome it? And in today's world where labor market demand is at unprecedented levels, this could not be more important. Yeah, I think it's really important for um, companies to have a clear vision of the North Star of the employee experience that they're trying to create that's really aligned with the employee of experience that the talent they're trying to create is interested in. So oftentimes there's a mismatch between where, where we want to take the company and the talent that we may be interested in attracting. So I, I do think it's really important um, to make sure that those things are aligned. Uh, and also uh, it's important if, when you create a North Star in an organization to have the voice of the employee as part of that. So uh, again, so that it's not driven from just one, one perspective that employees have voice in the process. So I think the more companies that really truly uh, look for the voice of their employees, um, appreciate the voice of their employees, can pivot you know, where it makes sense where you can balance employee needs and business needs together for the same goal. I think those are organizations that, that are most successful. And, uh, and then you really then have to create those types of experiences that are frictionless for employees that really appeal to them, allow them to develop and grow. If that is in fact, you know, something that they're expecting from your business that offer flexibility um, and you have to have leaders who know how to uh, do that as well. It, it can't be entirely up to uh, a company to create this. It really has to show up every day through the leaders and through uh, you know, fellow colleagues um, that, that actually live out what you say you're going to be doing. So uh, now more than ever, I think it's, it, it's really critical to make sure that our leaders understand what employees expect and help them create that type of environment um, because you typically are, are one who you don't always leave your company, you leave your leader. So if there's a mismatch between what you need and what your leader's providing, that may be why you would look elsewhere versus it's something that the, that the company has done. So really important for us to develop leaders um, and to develop leadership skills within our broad employee population so that um, you have a good experience with your peers and, and your leadership team. That voice of employee is, um, is the key one. You know, people first um, is, is a key one there. Again, pe everyone 
needs to feel valued and heard justifiably and accurately and having processes in place for that are really important. So for example, that ideal performer model is a great one for making people feel valued, most improved performer, things like that. Those are all really great ones there. Uh, what By 2025, Lou, what game changers do you be, believe we'll see in the learning and development space? And it doesn't need to be technology, just in any concept. Yeah, well, I, I did... I did do you think that there is some technology enablement that will will make this happen and can be a game changer? And and I'm um, I'm just uh, I'm just such a huge advocate for frictionless digital adoption platforms, performance support, guided guided performance support, because I just think the amount of information that we have to manage today is going to quadruple by 2025. So if we can't figure out a way to bring that information to people um, easily, um, it, it's gonna be a problem for every organization. So to me, that's a game changer. How do we, how do we bring that into the main? Um, and the companies who are able to do that, I think will be further ahead. Um, the other thing I, I think also is, you know, those companies who are really able to um, embrace what, what we've learned through the experience with COVID and, and really scale the goodness that came from that, from the ways that we could collaborate, the ways that we could really distill what was most critical and just get the critical done and leave behind the things that weren't as critical. You know, we can, we can um, over-process things and the things that you notice about companies in during COVID, they really simplified things to the most critical elements, and that's where they put all their energy focus. Um, and 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 those are the, the companies that are ahead. So don't go back to over processing, over complex, over complicating things. Um, I think is is something that um, if we can, the companies who determine how to not do that and really keep that as part of their cultures moving forward, regardless of whether there's a crisis that creates that need um, and makes that every day part of their process, I think will be a winner in 2025. Yeah, it feels like just like with everything in L&D, there's the soft skill uh, aspect and there's a the technology and in the soft skill, it's the voice of the employee, people first, what are you doing for people that differentiates yourself from others and, and adds value uh, to them and makes people feel valued. That's on the soft front. And in the technology front, you know, that one's a challenge, Lou, because you can you uh, we have uh, one customer who says, I have millennials who embrace everything very quickly, but their managers and managers' managers are still not. And there's this huge friction. The millennials don't know what to do. And so mm -hmm. on the technology front, it's not as easy. You will find uh, adopters uh, and early adopters, but then you'll find uh, people who don't, and you've got to cater to everyone. And that's where yeah, digital learning, digital adoption platforms like what we provide come in. And it's really interesting. Some of our largest customers talk about us as an employee experience layer. So it's not the 14 applications, that user interface that employees need to know and get familiar with. It's actually the what fix layer on top of all of them. And that's mm -hmm. what's going to guide them to do that task. So that one's a much harder one to crack. Great. So we have a few minutes left, Lou. And this next section is called the rapid fire round with one word answers. 
So I'm going to okay. rapidly fire and then you're going to uh, one word answer to me. So first one, what's that one word that comes to your mind when you think about upskilling? Opportunities. Awesome. Yeah, could not be better described, Lou. I mean, all opportunities for growing ourselves. Next one, what will you choose? Cultural-based learning or growth mindset? Growth mindset. Always. Uh, we love that. Which is that one technology that will have a significant impact on the future of work? So I'm going to have to say 5G. And because of um, how it's going to be seamless to be able to uh, do uh, high bandwidth uh, things on any device? And, and enable so much of the things that we're talking about, you know, through yeah. 5G. Agreed, agreed. Any books or methodologies or blogs that you would like to refer to our audience? I'm a big fan of the futureworkplace.com. Get a lot of my inspiration from there. Awesome. That's a new one for me. I will subscribe. And the last one, this is something that we ask all guests of the podcast. What is the one word or phrase that comes to your mind about digital transformation and adoption? Future-proofing. Oh, that's a great one as well. Lou, that's perfect. Thank you so much uh, for attending our uh, podcast. And this is um, uh, us saying farewell to the audience. Lou, thank you very much. You're welcome. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Uh -huh.